Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, Crossing Streams Edition, the episodes where we talk about things that we've been streaming on various streaming networks, various movies that we've checked out that you guys might want to check out. We don't know. We don't know what you're into. We assume you're into some similar things because you're listening to this. Yeah, clearly. I mean, if you're listening to here, you like to stream some things. You've, you've streamed a couple streams. Yeah. I streamed a stream. And originally, if you guys didn't know, our I streamed a stream of time. <laughs> nice. I, knew, I knew Andy would get what I was going for. <laughs> this was supposed to be like a, a Ghostbusters joke, right? Mixed mm-hmm. with a double entendre, if you will, with our show title. But anywho, yeah, we talk about some different things that we've been watching since last we met. Uh, so thank you to everyone listening. We very much appreciate that. Got a ton, a ton of emails. By the time you're listening to this, you will have heard our mailbag apart do. Mm-hmm. Is that correct, Steve? That is correct. Steve's our, our master. Uh, so he's posted that. So thank you to all those. Keep sending in your emails and we may do more Stranger Things coverage. We don't plan on it uh, unless we've got some big things uh, in the yes. works. There are some big maybes that we can't announce yet, but if they happen, holy shit. Guys. Yes. Then there will be a ton more awesome Stranger Things content, but we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So just know that uh, in extreme vagueness, maybe. Yeah, we, we, we want to not promise, but blow your minds. Yeah, that's what we do in our love lives and in everywhere. <laughs> and my boss, whenever I interview for, for a job, right, they're like, hey, what are you, what is your experience? I'm like, absolutely zero. I suck. I doubt I'll show up. <laughs> and then if I somehow get it, they're like, whoa, once well, they see me work. Did- 50% more than he said he was going to do. <laughs> you seem to be crushing it. Dude. And that's what's important. Dude, so crushing it. Have you seen the, what I owe the IRS? <laughs> so crushing it. I'm making the payments. So keep those emails coming. And you can do so by emailing streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod at gmail.com. You can also interact with us on the Twitter. At streamthingpod. That's at streamthingpod. Slide up in our DMs. We like that a lot. We can respond to our fans and get uh, show recommendations and movies that we might have missed. Stuff like that. That's really fun. Mm-hmm. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Movies Are Therapy. You can follow me at Andy Most Days. And you can follow me at Steve May 13. Steve May the 13th of his name. Mm-hmm. You can yes. also subscribe to our Patreon and get some extra bonus content. If you like what we do here, go to patreon.com slash streaming things. That's patreon.com slash streaming things. And if you do that, you can take part in polls, get extra content, similar to how we have a poll going on right now, but it's not going to be going on much longer. Uh, this episode comes out on 3 a.m. on Friday, which means you have a little over 12 hours from when this episode releases at 5 p.m. Eastern time before that poll closes. Yeah. And that poll uh, will dictate what our bonus episode will be this month. Uh, the the four. Uh, yeah, what are the options? The four contenders are Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Tron Legacy, the never ending story and almost famous. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like Temple of Doom is is in the lead, right? As of this recording, Temple is in the lead. And never that makes ending me story sad. shortly behind. There were so many. I mean, I'm not sad. That's great. Like whatever the people want, right? But there were so many people that took the, made the effort to comment how excited they were about Almost Famous. Like, right. oh, that's my favorite movie of all time. It's my wife's favorite movie of all time. But like, that's the only comment on the movies that we got, except for one Temple of Doom comment, I think. But then all the actual votes are Temple of Doom. So I was like, oh, they're going to be so sad. They're just trolling us. Yeah. But hey, if you want to sway, because right now there's 52 votes as of this recording. That's a little, just barely over half of our patrons. So uh, yeah, it, really, it's anybody's game. Yeah. So really, if you're listening to this from there right now, panic, first of all. Yes. But in your panic, turn on your computer, go on to Patreon and vote on this poll. 
That's right. And if you're not a Patreon member, panic, go on a Patreon and become a subscriber so you can vote on yes! the poll. <laughs> we got tons of extra content coming down the pipeline. We'd love for you guys to be a part of that. We understand it's it's tough times. Uh, it's tough for us as well. So if you can't financially support us, 100% understandable. You can rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to this. A ton of you have done that. Uh, but also many more could if you think about it. I mean, we've got like, I think we got 500 reviews or something just on Apple podcasts and then another 600 or so on Spotify, but we have tens of thousands of listeners. So, Hey, take that extra couple seconds and help us out and, and rate and review the show. That, that helps a ton for boosting us up in the feeds and, and keeping us in the conversation. But regardless, if nothing else, thank you for simply listening and joining the conversation with us. That's wonderful. We very much appreciate that. Yeah. And right. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Oh, Andy voice there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Andy. Yes, sir. What's uh, what's something you want to plug? What do you want to start with for your crossing streams? Well, so for the first one, I feel like I'm going to bounce it back to you or at least do it with you because for the first one, I want to talk about the black phone. Ah, yes. I don't think that we've talked about that. I know you and I talked personally, but like, have we talked about it on the show at no, all? No, we haven't done anything other than Stranger Things content <laughs> well, since you and I saw it. The wonderful new film by Scott Derrickson of uh, Dr. Strange fame. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, see Robert Cargill. Wrote Insidious? It Did he do Insidious? Uh, yes, I think so. He did a really good horror, indie horror film. I know that. I know that. Uh, well, no, he did not do Insidious because I'm almost certain that that was James Wan. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. That no, he did Sinister. Sinister. Yeah, I was going to say. And was, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yes. So anyway, he's a great horror director. Um, and C. Robert, yeah, him and C. Robert Cargill wrote Doctor Strange. So that was super exciting. Mm -hmm. The duo's back again. You guys might know him by Massa Worm. He was a, a movie reviewer in the early aughts, I think. So he's like one of us that oh, started writing screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. So what'd you think of the black phone, Andy? Dude, I thought it was so good. It, it felt like there have been a whole lot of period pieces coming out in the last, I don't know, decade period. or so. Well, in the last period, <laughs> yes, give or take. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this, maybe more than any other, really, truly, honestly felt like it was pulled from that time period. They had this wonderful type of cinematography where, like, not only did they Because it takes like place the, in the 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, you need to do that for this type of story and to uh, try to establish, like, the lack of communication and, like, the general dread. And you find out news from your friends and family and not from Twitter, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the, the way that it was produced uh the the cinematography not just like with the film grain and stuff but also like the way that they cut to like this super eight film occasionally when they're doing flashbacks and telling the stories of like the people that have been uh abducted and stuff it was just beautifully done and it felt so much like it was actually truly a product of the time that it is trying to establish and i thought that that was wonderful um so the film itself uh i i feel like was a little bit mismarketed as a horror film there are some spoopy moments to it but overall i f it felt like more of a like mystery thriller uh yeah it's very like david finchery i would say more yes, so yes. than anything scott derrickson's done before very much so it felt like a zodiac thing like it had moments of dread but overall uh it it, it was not a horror film it was like zodiac meets 2017's it yes yes i i, I put it there which if, it's, if that sounds awesome, then <clears throat> you're going to love it. And it, it did very well. It's got over a hundred million dollars in the global box office, which for a smaller horror film, it that's great. Phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. 
I thought it was awesome. I, I thought that it was uh, really interesting. And Chris, you uh, read some stuff online that uh, better justified it. But I thought it was so interesting and maybe a little disappointing, at least at my time of viewing it, that there was not a ton of backstory for the killer. The uh, I, I was going to say titular, but it's not titular. But the, for the guy the, that the they call the villain. black phone, the black <laughs> phone himself. Uh, You're just for, down in a hidden alley, and you just hear a guy going ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Here I come. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna. Drop this call. <laughs> Operator. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ethan Hawke uh, was absolutely fucking incredible in this. And like, he got all beefy and it blew my mind that uh, for a film where you get fucking Ethan Hawke to play the killer, they covered up his face. It was like Christopher Nolan using Tom Hardy. They're like, let's take one of the most handsome men on the planet and put a mask on that mm -hmm. face. Yeah, they like, don't show the his face, but for Ethan a split Hawk. second, pretty much, I think. But really interesting performance from him mm -hmm. like the most interesting i've seen of his since maybe gattaca i thought it was beautifully done yeah i love this movie it's going to be one of my top 10 of the year it is as of right now but i think it has a good chance of staying there um i thought it was very thrilling i saw it by myself in the middle of the day and i've been looking forward to this for a long time it was supposed to release in february i think and got pushed back to to june i was very sad at the time so really excited that i got to see it if you guys i think it's still in theaters but it'll be out on vod soon but yeah huge fan of the black phone and um but so what what did you think of the uh concept of uh the dearth of backstory for a villain i hadn't thought about it until like you mentioned it um like i wasn't thinking of like how did he get the way that he is or anything? Like it was just a little bit of clues. Like there is no exploration of how he became the killer or was he abused as a child or anything like, or what paranormal uh, dealings has he had in the past? Like you would normally have in a film like that. And I thought that was refreshing, but online uh, people were saying, Hey, I love how victim focused it is. Like this movie doesn't give a fuck who the killer is or what his motivation is. It's all centered around the victims and that's very respectful and refreshing. And I was like, that probably was the intention, you know, that's awesome. And so that was one of the things that I thought was excellent, especially as far as the cinematography is concerned, is that like when we uh, delve a little bit into the backstory of the individuals that were uh, grabbed uh, by Ethan Hawke prior to our uh, protagonist, we get this like super eight, like family film backstory of them in the lead up to their uh, grabbing. And I thought that that was incredibly cool. Yeah, I think the intention of that was to mimic Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm -hmm. which they even mentioned that film in the film. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's a lot like X is probably what you were saying, like how it's like this, you know, late 70s horror homage right and we get a lot of that in general recently but this year we've had two big temple mm -hmm. movies that do that i um, do want to give a special shout out to the child acting in that film now uh there are a few outliers but for the most part it was absolutely stellar uh there there's a girl uh her name is madeline mcgraw she plays gwen she's the younger sister, the sister? of our protagonist finney she was great she was phenomenal she was so good stranger she's, things good Steve. she has this Whoa. sequence where she's dealing with an abusive father and she is just screaming back at him bloody murder while she's being abused and i got like i'm getting chills thinking about it i got chills then this girl is going to be a star like she is absolutely fucking gonna be a star see? she was so good like just that one scene that is going to be like her demo reel for all time it was incredible 
Uh, but yeah, the black phone, I thought it was really, really, really good. It got super duper hyped on the internets for a little bit when it first launched and it deserved all the hype, man. It was great. Yeah. Had a good time as well. Also recommend that. Have you been on, has it been on your radar at all, Steve? Steve? Honestly, it wasn't because I'm not a horror Do fan. Do you black phone? But the, the, the fact that you guys sold it as Zodiac meets uh, it. 2017's it it's like oh yeah. I, uh, those are those are movies i'm into yeah it was sold as a horror film like in the trailers and stuff and most of the scary stuff is in the trailers there's like one really solid jump scare that i was like oh shit but other than that i was like this isn't a horror movie word so yeah you you would probably love it all right i'll have to check it out what about you steve what have you been doing uh well the, i have a couple movies but my, the first the first thing i'm going to talk about is the <laughs> It's stupid. Um, <laughs> so as you guys know, we've been super busy with the the, the show, the podcast. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll leave from here after we get done recording and uh, I'll edit the show. It'll take me a couple hours to edit the show. And, and you know, I, I, I go straight to bed and I, I don't have time to watch a movie and I don't really have the headspace to really kind of ingest uh, a show that I have to pay attention to. So I put on something I don't have to pay attention to, but might, you know, be kind of interesting to listen to in the background. Transformers. Titanic. If no, <laughs> this is a show. Uh, it originally it originally came out in 2019 uh, on the History Channel. Oh, you God. can now stream it on Netflix, which is where I saw it. I thought it was a brand new thing when it came out on Netflix because it was Netflix was like for you. <laughs> I assume because I just watched Stranger Things, it was like you like Strange Things. How about this show? Uh, this show is uh, produced and hosted by one William Shatner. I hardly know her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is described. (laughs) This show claims to, quote, explore subjects that have mystified mankind for centuries. It is a show called Unexplained, spelled U-N-X-plained. Nice. (laughs) So it's missing an E. So it's like a porn thing? No, <laughs> I wish. No, it's so, unexplained. This is this is the type of show where it's like, oh, are there aliens? What is Bigfoot? Who built? It's that type of thing, right? It's like prime for conspiracy and mystery and cryptozoology and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But it's bookended and narrated by William Shatner. So at the beginning of each episode, <laughs> William Shatner again. Stop saying his name. Say the name. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to stop saying William Shatner's name. Bill Shatner. You're, you're doing three syllables. Comes hobbling out from behind a giant TV monitoring monitor going the pyramids. Who built them? Was it aliens? Was it man? Is it unexplained? <laughs> and this you want to sleep with common people? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I started watching because I'm like, oh, okay. I, this at least has to be mildly entertaining because it's him. Um, and it's pretty fucking bad because it's like, okay, you have a... No ha- way. <laughs> well, even in terms of that type of show, because, okay, you got, what, 45 minutes because it's an hour-long episode, but with commercials, it's 45 minutes. Uh, you got this 45 minutes to explain mysterious structures. So you'd think, like, oh, they'll spend 20 minutes on each one, and that'll give you, like, kind of like a three-parter episode, right? No, they're like, all right, we got five minutes to talk about this one, and then uh, f- seven minutes to talk about that one. So there's barreling through subjects. I'm and getting stressed out. You're not learning anything about any of them, even, like, mildly. Uh, the-, the Sphinx is 
pretty cool. <laughs> there was one episode that they talked about this place called the Loretto Chapel. It's a uh, small church in Mexico that has a really interesting story about how it has this very mysterious staircase. It's a spiral staircase built in, I think they said, like the early 1800s. And it's like, how did they build that? Back then, that's this is almost impossible to build now. And the, the story is like, oh, the ghost of St. John came and built it. And the nuns prayed Wait, for no. nine days. And- Do the voice. The ghost of oh, St. John. I, I, was, I was doing the nun voice. Oh. The ghost of St. John. <laughs> How many days did it take him? Was it nine? Probably. That's what they said. <laughs> but you don't like, you don't really get to learn anything about it. And then the other thing is the people, the guests that they interview, like the, the talking heads that they get on are just total fucking hats. Tinfoil hat boys. I love the talking heads. And you can see them a mile away. Like there was this one where William Shatner's like, what does he say? He says, demons, they exist. They're among us. We take you now to the most haunted place in America. And in my mind, I'm thinking of like all the crazy haunted places in America, like the Winchester, Bobby Mackey's, the Winchester Hotel or uh, Mansion, Um, that one hotel where the guy killed a bunch of people and they they made an American Horror Story season out of it. Um, All these places, right? No, it's just like a one bedroom house in the middle of fucking nowhere Mm -hmm. that just happens to be shaped like a cross. And they're like, it's shaped like an upside down cross. I'm like, how do you know it's upside down from the from aerial? I can just rotate and it's a normal size. Yeah, turn cross. the other way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's this woman who's like, I won't go in there. When I was in there, it scratched my back and it yelled at my son and it did all this stuff. And the talking head that's talking about it is like, yeah, I interviewed her. And uh, yeah, it's definitely the most haunted place I, I have ever encountered. <laughs> and I've never heard of this place. All right. So, of course, I immediately go on Google and I'm like, I have to know what this place is about. That talking head owns that fucking house. (laughs) He's legitimately the owner of the house. And there's just YouTube videos of him like standing in the living room like, yeah, someone died right there in that couch. See the blood spatter on the couch? That's real blood. And then like the 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 duvetine that they have up to to block the sunlight coming in from the window so they can get the shot falls over. Like, a ghost! The duvetine fell! Like, well, yeah, because you didn't have it hooked up properly, numbnut. Like, <laughs> You're a bad landlord. You are such a cr- tin pot crook. But uh, so, yeah, it's a terrible show, uh, but it's kind of amusing if you got something on the background that you don't want to focus on. Because every now and then William Shatner will hobble out from behind a screen and say, demons. <laughs> <laughs> There's the, the, This one episode, sorry, this one episode ends and the listener's not going to appreciate this, but this is only for you guys. So listeners go. I think it's episode two. Uh, it's how it closes out where he's like these structures. Will we ever find an answer to who built the pyramids to who built the stairs from Laredo? <laughs> Steve's gesticulating a shrug. <laughs> he does this over exaggerated like it, it looks like he forgot. Oh, his, it, forgot he, it looks like he forgot his line and then just kind of did, a, shrug. Uh, like did this weird and then it fades to black. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. Like, did they? I don't know. <laughs> it's the funniest goddamn thing. But uh, that's that's number one. Chris, what what about you? And what was that called again? You can find it on Netflix. Uh, it's on Netflix. Netflix. It's called The Unexplained. <laughs> the Unexplained. Okay. Uh, I've got two movies that are related tangentially. So I just realized this. I'm really excited. Uh, but I'll talk about the next one when it gets back around to me. Both of which I know Andy will love. Yes. Steve, I'm not so sure. Uh, but the first one is called Watcher. I hardly know her. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it stars Micah Monroe, who was the star of uh, It Follows, which is a movie that Andy and I love. And it's directed oh, by uh, Chloe Acuno. And I'm really excited to talk about this movie because it was very, very good. And it's a smaller kind of indie. I wouldn't describe it as horror either. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's very unsettling. It's very slow burn. So it's about a young woman who moves to Romania with her boyfriend, maybe husband. I think husband doesn't matter. She's younger. Uh, could be could go either way. Right. It's like 20 somethings. And she moves to Romania because he's like a, a lawyer and he's from Romania originally. And Romania she, law. <laughs> it's a new Coming show. To you on UPN. And uh, so these are their stories. And she kind of wander Romania without her husband because he's at work. She doesn't have a job there yet. She was an actress in L.A. And I love the way they do this because everybody speaks Romanian. Obviously, obvi, <laughs> she doesn't, and they don't give you subtitles. So it's we've like, done that so many times where we're like, "What an interesting choice!" They don't give you subtitles, and it turns out that like we have the settings wrong. Are you sure this wasn't <laughs> one of those? Ninety nine percent, because she doesn't know what they're saying. So why do we get to know? Do you know what I mean? And I think it's intentional because it's very unsettling. If you think about being, uh, and a lot of our listeners are from all around the world, they probably experience this on a daily basis, and they're like, "Yeah, it kind of sucks," but you get over it. But for me, I've never left uh, America, right? So it's like I'm. It seems like to me that would be unsettling and scary if I was alone, especially if I was a young woman. Right. And this kind of and it's at night and everybody's talking at me and I don't know what they're saying. And I'm trying to, like, talk slower in a language they don't speak. I don't know why everybody does that. No, I would like to leave here. Like they don't speak English. Doesn't matter how slow you talk. Uh, <laughs> it's just like a weird thing. Everybody does. Yeah. Um, but I love that element to it. And uh, but she realizes somebody's watching her in the apartment across the street. And at the very first half of the movie, I was like, OK, this whole plot could be solved by just getting curtains. Uh, and it was bothering me. But eventually she does get curtains. I was like, oh, thank God, because she's got these giant bay windows and no curtains. And she's like, I think he's watching me. But yeah, it, it's a really slow burn. Awesome thing. She starts to feel kind of gaslit and crazy because her her husband's like, oh, he's probably not fucking watching. You're just bored. And he definitely is, you know, like she can stare at him and it's just really creepy he's and got unsettling. Like a sign saying I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah. And what's really funny is if you've seen It Follows, I mean, it, that's a movie about Micah Monroe being followed. And so is this. And so it's like she's got her own uh, being followed extended universe going on. <laughs> but she does it so well. And I love this movie. Ultimately, it ends in a, a place that's, uh, I think, satisfying. It's a really creative, unique, slow burn. I don't I don't see too many movies taking place in Romania. Uh, so that was neat as well. And I just all in all, I think it's it deserves a lot more attention and love. I think I rented it for three bucks on uh, Apple TV. Uh, I'm sure it'll be streaming on Shutter or something like that very soon. Maybe Hulu. It looks like a Hulu movie. Um, but yeah, so that's called Watcher. And uh, I recommend you watch Watcher. Andy, do you got anything else that you want to plug or talk about? I do. So in the lead up to watching The Black Phone, I was in a spoopy movie mood. And I'm ashamed because spoopy. we were just talking about it. And we were debating whether or not whether, who had directed it. Uh, but I also watched for the first time Insidious. And so Insidious oh, nice. and Sinister came out around the same time. And they both had Patrick Wilson. Or no, I'm sorry. And Sinister had Ethan Hawke. So I'm mm -hmm. just all mixed up on Patrick Wilson, Ethan Hawke. We got a Wong. string of horror films that were all yeah, really good. That had a lot of the same actors. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but so anyway, I watched Insidious that was definitely directed by James Wan. It was written by uh, Lee Wannell, the guy that wrote and starred in the original Saw. I think he went on to also write the next like second and third Saw and then was a producer on a bunch of them. Uh, but he was the one that was not the Princess Bride guy in the original Saw. Yeah. Uh, of yes. the two, he was not he was in the, the Princess Bride. Uh, the brunette. Yes. Uh, he wasn't the mayor from Stranger Things. What's the male version of brunette? Is it like Brunner? Brunner. <laughs> He's the burner. I don't oh, know. Just I never, wondering I linguistically. I never thought of that. Yeah. Just linguistically, I'm just wondering. Wow. Like I wonder, is there barista and barrister, you know? Yeah. Like something like that. Uh, that. That's a thing. Yeah. Barista and barrister. Is it Bruno? And we don't talk about Bruno, so I should shut up. Mm, maybe that's mm. it. Maybe that's but it. But go on. But so Insidious, it was uh, really, really interesting. Uh, I thought that like it was better conceptually than it was uh, in action. It is about like potential like cosmic uh, demons that you can run, run into in astral project projection, astral projection being like, you know, a form of meditation where you uh, leave your body and explore like the other dimensions and uh, how one could potentially become haunted through that process. Um, it stars uh, Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne. Um, and uh, it was really good in a lot of ways, but it was also mostly to me a big precursor to Malignant, which was a massively underwhelming like film for me uh, because it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I liked be. how silly it was. I, I wasn't expecting the silly. So this is like half silly, half scary. And so the scary moments I loved, the silly moments I was like, oh no, oh no, I can see where you're going, James Wan. I can see where you're headed and I don't like where you're headed, please don't do it. But I'm talking to him 12 years ago, so obviously he's not gonna hear me. Uh, but I will say that Patrick Wilson was kind of born to play like uh, the father figure in horror films. I, I really do. Yeah, like he's great at that. All of my favorite roles of his are him as that. He also plays a great, what's the superhero in Watchmen? Mr. Owl? <laughs> Night Owl. Night Owl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's the, guy, Owl. that's the guy trying to find the Tootsie Pop. <laughs> yeah. How many a licks? One, a two, a two, a three. <laughs> Mr. Owl. Uh, did you know Patrick Wilson played that guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Little known fact. Well, it wouldn't surprise me because Patrick Wilson has made a career out of playing people in very famous movies but no one remembers he's in him oh, wide-eyed yeah. people who count yep that's pretty much what I'm <laughs> for. uh but yeah no i a thought button. insidious was was fun uh it, it was is that the one with the darth maul demon it is okay yeah and that is a really cool shot that's it like is. the one image that you see if you google insidious i don't you think see. i consciously knew that you're not a big fan of horror movies steve really i feel like i talk about it Fairly often. We've definitely mentioned it at some point, but maybe it's because I'm such a big fan that I kind of counterbalance you and it just averages mm -hmm. out. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch a horror film if people like are like, hey, you should see this or hey, we're going to watch this. Come with us. I'll do it. But like, I never want to go seek them out on my own. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. You're not a seeker of the horror. Because most most horror films fall into two camps. Either they're schlocky horror that I just don't really care for unless I'm watching it with a bunch of people and we're just making fun of it or it's super duper artsy art house horror like the witch that I can respect the hell out of, but I'm not going to really have fun watching it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You didn't have fun with the witch. I don't like the witch. Oh, what? Let's not get into it. Cause I don't want to get angry at Steve. <laughs> do, do we know that? No. Th yeah. Cause I've talked about how that. objectively I can watch the witch and say that is a well-made movie. I think it's a good movie. Not for me. Sure. Okay. That's respectable. Yeah. That's respectable. All right, Steven. 
well, first off, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's insidious. And uh, it, it, I would encourage people to watch it. Awesome. Uh, where did you watch that? Is it streamable anywhere? Do you know? It is definitely streamable, and I'm definitely not going to search it right now on this app called yeah, Just not, Watch. He's not stalling. It is extremely handy in case anybody didn't know. Just Google it. Just kidding. It's on Netflix and Hulu. Wow. The biggest ones. Oh, you got two options, guys. Two options. Steve, what else have you been streaming? So my next one uh, <laughs> was a movie that... I don't know why I sought this out. I don't know why I watched it. Actually, I do know why. I was sitting in my house. I was, you know, listeners. Lonely. Lonely listeners may know (laughs) I'm recently divorced. So I was literally at my house lonely. And Apple TV, I guess, was like, hey, this sad boy. This sad sad sack of shit. You know what he wants to watch? A romantic comedy. You know what romantic comedy is new on Amazon Prime? Oh, yes. Marry Me, oh. starring Jennifer Lopez. I was hoping you said you watched Owen The Lost Wilson. City, but I, no. I actually, I want to see Marry Me. Is there, I like J-Lo a lot. Yeah, and, and to be honest, this is, again, similar to horror films. This isn't the type of movie that I actively seek out, but something about the mood I was in and the, t- the moment that Apple TV was like, this... I was on the telly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The algorithm works. <laughs> it does. So I watched Marry Me. It's on Amazon Prime. Like Chris said, it stars Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. Wow. J-Lo. Uh, and I, surprisingly, I, uh, I was happy to see that Sarah Silverman is also in this. She's hilarious in it. And John Bradley from uh, Game of Thrones is in this as Jennifer Lopez's manager. Nice. Uh, John he, Bradley, John Bradley, John Bradley. Uh, he is. He, he was just in Moonfall. He plays John Snow's uh, buddy. Uh, Sam. Tarly. Sam. Tarly, yeah. Okay. Uh, this motherfucker pulled out a Moonfall. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he was in recently. Come on. He's in Moonfall to the three people who haven't seen Moonfall. <laughs> to the three people that have. <laughs> Got him. Uh, but yeah, it's directed by Kat. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Kat Coiro. Uh, but yeah. she nailed it. Is that how you pronounce it? We have no idea. <laughs> she, well, she's We're just supportive of we you. We looked at each other. Went, yeah. She, she's directed, uh, you know, the show uh, Dead to Me? On Netflix with uh, Christine Applegate. Yeah, I know it. I didn't watch it. Oh, that's a good show. At least the first season was. Uh, but she's the director of that. She's also going to be the director of the upcoming Marvel She-Hulk when that comes out. Yeah. Um, and then writers John Rogers, Tammy Sager, and Harper Dill. Um, Harper Dill. Harper Dill. John Rogers what is a, a cool name. I know. John Rogers is an interesting writer because he's uh, written a lot of stuff like Catwoman, the Halle Berry, Halle Berry one. Nice. The oh, Core. Man. Do you remember the Core? No. Yes. The, yeah. With uh, fucking Aaron Eckerd. Eckerd. Yeah. Dude, you don't remember that movie? No. Where they have to go down to the core and jumpstart it with a nuke? <laughs> the, the core <laughs> of the earth? That's like when, if it's not a Roland Emmerich film, it's like when everyone was trying to make Roland Emmerich films. Like this came out around like Armageddon and yeah. like independent all the birds volcano, fall out Dante's peak. And people, yeah. pacemakers die at the same Dang. time because the magnetic fields are all fucked up at the beginning. Poor bastards. Mm-hmm. Did we watch that in high school so many times? <sighs> I'm. I was really high. <laughs> <laughs> but Marry Me, uh, surprisingly, I had fun with it. It was uh, Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez do have surprisingly good chemistry. Um, I liked the idea that, I, I guess, um, 
part of the reason why I guess I liked it is, and it, cause usually rom-coms will depress me further if I'm in that mood, right? Cause it's like, they're happy. Why am I not happy? Why am I still lonely? But this one, because it's centered on Jennifer Lopez, who is this um, pop star who is world famous. And she's like the most famous pop star in the world. So her life is not relatable to me at all, but it's still fun to watch. And then you get Owen Wilson's like, I just want to take my daughter to school and not be hounded by the press. Wow. Can it, you do Owen Wilson asking if she's from the block? Pardon me. Are you from the block? <laughs> are you still? Are you Will you still say there's always the time for J-Lo? <laughs> there's always time for J-Lo. <laughs> That's a little Jello reference. <laughs> uh, but it, it was it was a fun watch. And, and like I said, they had good chemistry. The one weird thing about this movie that I noticed uh, for all you film geeks out there they could have instead of calling this movie marry me they could have just called it fish-eyed lens the movie because almost every shot is filmed in it with an ultra wide lens even if they don't have to i was really because if you don't know listener if you're not aware a wide angle lens will it allows you to shoot in tight spaces you can get like the full spectrum of the tight room that you're in but a, a, a downside to that, usually when you film with a wide angle lens, your subjects are in the center of frame because if they're on the edge of frames, there is a slight distortion where things will start to curve when you get to the to the outer edges of the frame. But this movie is like people are walking into frame and out of frame and the camera sweeping past people, but they're, they've got a wide angle lens on. So you just see the distortion happen. It's like shot with the GoPro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. And it's really odd that. And it, there's like tight close-ups of people and it's in a wide angle lens. Like, did they just have a lens for this whole movie? And they're just like, well, fuck it. We're, we're, we can't buy a different lens. We only got JLo for six days. Oh, the budget went to JLo. Yeah. <laughs> and John Bradley. <laughs> Cause he was from fucking Moonfall. And we're like, we gotta have him. <laughs> yeah, there was like a window of a month where John Bradley's like, oh, I'm really famous now. I'm in Moonfall. It's going to be the biggest movie ever. <laughs> yeah. It hadn't come out yet. <laughs> Oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Damn me. Uh, but yeah, that's Marry Me. You can stream it on Amazon Prime. Uh, Chris, what do you have up next? Uh, so this next movie, I didn't do this on purpose. It's called Under the Silver Lake. Oh, you watched it? And again, yeah, I did watch it. I did rent it, so it's not streamable anywhere that I'm aware of. It's on Canopy. What the fuck is Canopy? Canopy the with one the K? that I name drop with the K. You connect it with your library card. Oh, the, like, he's doing the whoop whoop hands. Andy's like that guy. Like if you ever need to find just a random ass streaming service, ask Andy. Say, oh, you heard of Canopy? Because you oh, know why? It's similar to Coconut. All the expensive, <laughs> all the expensive ones he uses mine, and then he's just like, <laughs> you can have my library card account in return, Chris. For what it's worth, <laughs> recently, listeners, Chris asked for my Shutter password. Shutter found out I was getting it for free. I was going to say was like, Hey, let me get that password. I was like, well, he's already given me a couple services. So I resubscribed and gave you the password. Oh, wow. I didn't know you did that for I'm me. Sure is that what happened it. last night? And you yeah, actually weren't happened. subscribed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's I why you delayed two days. Like you were like, shit, I don't have shutter. <laughs> it's gotta be so mad. Why am I going to tell him? He's going <laughs> to make, make fun of me. I didn't like the movie I watched. I don't think it very much at all, but uh, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, but thank you. You're There's welcome. a lot of good stuff on shutter for sure. I wanna, oh, you're not talking about, 
No, no so under that, the silver leg canopy. Under the silver leg, I oh, love. Right. Yeah. And I, this movie is not for everybody. I'm going to say that up front. It is. It is weird. It's written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, who did it follows. Yes. So that was like the accidental double connection. Uh, so I have a Micah Monroe movie and a David Robert Robert Mitchell movie. So Six this degrees of David Robert. Mitchell. Yeah, this came out in 2018. It's an A24 film. Uh, Andy apparently knows a lot about it. Do you have you heard of it, Steve? I've heard of it. I don't really know much other than it, that. I don't think you'll like it, but you might. It's, it stars Andrew Garfield as the main protagonist. It's also, I don't know how to say her name ever. I always fuck it up. Riley Cuff? Or is it uh, Keo? Keo, I think. I think it's Keo. Because it looks like it might be Irish and you just say Cuff or something, you know? Mm. But I'm going to go with Keo. It also has uh, cameos from Topher Grace, uh, Sydney Sweeney. And Summer Mitchell, who's one of my favorite characters from The Magicians. And that's just for me and seven other people to know and care about. Uh, I saw her like, hey, uh, it's King Margo. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so it's about uh, Andrew Garfield is this loser in L.A. Doesn't work or anything. The The film opens. Yeah, he was in Spider-Man. He's not a loser. <laughs> they, they riff on that, actually. It's really funny. But he's just like hanging out in L.A. He's a couple months late on his rent. Doesn't even work. Doesn't have a job. Uh, tick, tick, boom. So this movie, <laughs> I'll get there in a second, kind of a little bit closer reference. And he's wandering around. He has a girl that he has sex with, but they're not in like a committed relationship. He runs into Riley Keough uh, and they hang out for a night, smoke some weed, watch a movie. And he like kind of falls in love with her. And then she moves out in the middle of the night when he comes over the next day, her apartment's empty. And there's like a weird symbol on the wall. And so it becomes this like noir detective story where he's trying to find out what happened to her. And he goes through these labyrinthine, ridiculous, sometimes supernatural uh, clues and codes to try to find you know, Riley Keel. Like, where's Riley Keel? Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's bizarre and weird and awesome. And I loved it. And so what the whole movie is ultimately about is it's La La Land for sad people. <laughs> because it's about all these people that come to LA to live their dreams and have to compromise. And it's not like that at all. He's one of them, but he runs into like other characters who are actually getting work They're Like he ends up calling an escort service for prostitutes. And it's uh, the whole shtick for that escort service is their actual movie stars. Like you ever want to, uh, you ever wanted to fuck an Academy award winning actress, then call this number. Meryl Streep's on her way. So the whole joke is like, even when you make it, it's still a struggle and you have to grind and it's miserable out here. And it's like, so I said it's La La Land for sad people. Um, it also reminds me a lot of like Mulholland Drive or like David Lynch's uh, mm. West Coast aesthetic and like the random weirdness of things that are never explained. Like you may or may not have like a naked woman wearing an owl mask saunter in and slit somebody's throat and then leave never to be explained. You may or may not have that. And but I say that with a caveat because I actually hot take don't like David Lynch movies. But I loved this movie. So don't like let the Lynchianness. If you are a Lynch fan, let it pull you in. If you're not, don't let it dissuade you. I don't I know that's not fair, but that's where I'm at with this. There's a very small segment of our of our audience where their their movie tastes hinge on the David Lynchiness. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to throw on the that. David Lynch scale. What? Uh, give, give me that. How many? How many David Lynches does this movie have? This is nine Lynches. Uh, I, don't like I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. This is nine David Lynches. Yes. We are done. Um, I love this movie, and I think you know it's about all this listless, listlessness and ennui. Uh, but I think I was at a very strange time in my life yesterday. I swear, I watched it where. 
because I had just watched Vertigo, an Alfred Hitchcock film I had never seen, which hot take I did not like. I thought it was ridiculous and that everybody's like shooting me with arrows for that. Uh, but because I just watched it, I got all of the Hitchcock references because this is like a, an homage to old Hollywood as much as it is La La Land for sad people. And also I was in a really bad mental headspace. I was very depressed yesterday. And so I'm like, yes, <laughs> watching this movie, I can't describe it, but I was on its level. Like the way that Steve was just right in the right space he needed to be to, to watch Marry Me. <laughs> I accidentally stumbled on this sad guy in his 30s who doesn't see the point in life and was like, same and had a great time watching this movie. So anyway, I hope I sold it well. I loved it, but I'm a huge fan of It Follows as well. That's Under the Silver Lake. I know Andy will adore it. Steve, I'm not so sure, uh, but I think you might appreciate it because it's got some Paul Thomas Anderson-ness to it as well, like more Magnolia than Boogie Nights for sure, but it is kind of a- Oh, I love Magnolia. It's, it's, it's a great. You know movie. how Magnolia is random and unexplained in mm -hmm. certain ways, but is a normal movie in other respects? And frogs. Yes. That was so great. <laughs> that is the way Under the Silver Lake is. It's just, oh, cool. It's really like, okay, we're going there and then we don't go there anymore. It also reminds me of Terry Gilliam movies. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's just kind of out there in that. I know I'm pulling a lot of legendary directors out right now, but I really think that the movie's that good. I think it's underrated. I think it'll be a cult classic in like 20 years. People will be like, you guys didn't watch Under the Silver Lake with losers. So don't be that person. What watch it. You are. Yeah. It's on Canopy. It's on it's Canopy. Okay. Hook it up with your library card and it's free. That's right. Andy's got the plug. Could have saved me four bucks if I'd yeah. listen to Andy. Yeah. Saying. What else have you been streaming, Andy? Well, I just want to say real quick, uh, because you brought it up, Magnolia, there was recently a BuzzFeed article that came out where they talked about movies that people have walked out of. And there were very, like, a lot of them made sense. A lot of people walked out of Talladega Nights. So did I. Just kidding. I'm the only person I think ever in the history of man that walked out of that movie, but I was just burnt. But there was more than one person. There's a that story there that they that walked you're just out. blowing past. <laughs> there, I, I feel like I've talked about it on the show, but uh, there's was more than one person that said they walked out of Magnolia. And I cannot believe that. I mean, it's just Magnolia, is, such a Magnolia is amazing because it's it's just a, one of those movies where the tension just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And, builds. and I don't see at any point in that movie like, well, I'm bored. Yeah. It's one of only <laughs> two times I can think of that Tom Cruise allowed himself to play an asshole. Yeah. It, that's probably his best role mm -hmm. is, was it uh, Bobby Mackey? Is that his name? Something Mackey. I forget uh, his name, but I just remember the, I remember the energy of it. Yeah. I mean, his opening, his first line is respect the cock. So. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Which I took to heart. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last one, uh, Chris, this is also going to be a combo for you and me. Uh, I finished The Boys. Did you finish did it Did you yet? watch it? Yeah. I, I did. I love yeah. the finale. I actually read recently it's getting some flack. Okay. But what did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was great. I thought that uh, the character motivations were extremely muddied in the climax, and that was pretty disappointing. Uh, because they had built up a whole lot of relationships and dynamics and conflicts between all of these characters. And then all of the potential fell victim to circumstance. And it's hard to talk about it without right. getting into spoilers. But uh, it just the climax played out because of who happened to be there at a given time, as opposed to 
all of the dynamics that were established in the lead up to it. And that was disappointing to me. I will say that ultimately the season paid off better than I expected it to. I was not sold on it in the first couple of episodes. It felt like more of the same, but ultimately I feel like the season took some characters in directions that I didn't expect them to. And so it paid off for me to get to see like Carl Urban's character be uh, not just vulnerable, but be a little more established as a human being. That was wonderful. It was also great to see uh, Huey. Um, what's the actor's name? Something Quinn. It's a uh, Quaid. Quaid. Ben uh, Quaid. Ben Quaid. Or Jack Definitely Quaid. Not Jack ben. Quaid. Jack. Jack. It was great That's to see. Dad. Randy Quaid's <laughs> his dad, isn't it? No, it's not Randy. It's uh, it's the other it's the other Quaid brother. It's one of the fucking Quaids, man. Dennis. Dennis is his Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Oh, not Randy. I didn't, I didn't know that <laughs> I was going to say, it's not Randy. <laughs> Straight up your ass! Or whatever he says from Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's he would be able to get a job in Hollywood if Randy Quaid was really? his ass. <laughs> That's Randy Quaid's boy. Get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shitter's full. <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that it was great to see uh, Huey uh, be taken to some different places other than being like the lovable fuck up. It was great to get to see uh, some more of the emotional impact of what it's like to be in a relationship with a superhero and how that reflects on you and uh, and how you can internalize like the kind of perpetual state of victimhood that you are inevitably in as a result of being with somebody like that. Uh, I, and so I feel like the, the show, the, the season, I should say, does not uh, sell itself to somebody that didn't like it. Uh, to begin with, but for the people that do like it, it is very, well, it's firing on all cylinders. If you're watching season three of a show you don't like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> sure, but it's like anything that turns out to be amazing. It's like, oh my God, if you stick around, like I always tell you and anybody who will listen, Always Sunny in Philadelphia does not start out, start out great, but when it gets great, it stays great for a long time, and that's around season four. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, I, I so, what all I'm getting at is that I I feel like this show has firm legs and it's still set to keep running. And yeah. that's great. They don't because, skip leg day on the boys. Yeah. It, well, uh, and especially the a show boys. like this, because so <laughs> much of this show hinges on like crassness and just uh, gore and humor. The that butcher. Uh, I, it, it's surprising that it ha can last as long as it has. It, it really is because, and, and now I get that like, there's something to be said for just like mindless schlock entertainment, but I do think that's more than that because there's like, you know, cultural satire, like in droves here. And sometimes it's a little too on the nose, but ultimately I think that it's necessary and pretty wonderfully done. I like, so I initially wasn't, super hot on season three, the first couple episodes, just like you said, because, uh, and then it hit me part of the reason the satire has to be like bludgeoning you in like a Paul Verhoeven way. Like if there's nothing subtle about it, like this I is love Paul Verhoeven, me satire. too, but this is like starship troopers level subtle as in to say, not at all, but starship troopers is also one of the best it, it satires fucking rocks, of all time. <laughs> fucking rocks. But the, I think it's entirely on purpose because if you look online, there was an entire sect of people who this show was making fun of blatantly that didn't understand that they were yeah. like, finally I'm being represented in a positive way, or I'm sorry, to use that accent for those that are offended by that. <laughs> but that's how I imagine they talk. And then they realize the show realizes, oh, they don't get it. Let's just be as obvious as possible. Let's plant our flag here. And that kind of hit me. But I also think that 
uh, this is the best season of the boys is what it ultimately turned out to because the character arcs all came to a really good place in my opinion, which I think is mostly what you were saying as well. Uh, I love the finale and there were a few character arcs that fell extremely flat for me, but uh, black noir, especially uh, uh, the deep to an extent. Well, the man doesn't have but, a, a, a line of dialogue, right? So I think they did the fact that they did anything with that. Like he has, you don't see his face and he doesn't talk. So it's just a blank mask with no sound and they still, did some things. Well, they did some backstory and they also used some fun animation to uh, give him some character. And that was great. But did the payoff for it uh, uh, fell extremely flat for me? But uh, no, overall, I think that, yes, it, what it, I agree with you, like the main thrust of the character arts that happened in season three were fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And the source material, I've read all the comics. There is no real story. It is like straight Garth Ennis. Like, let me be shocked. It's a shock book you know so the the fact that they've crafted what they have in the show version of it uh is really impressive and i i'm glad people are loving it so much because the boys is super super popular i mean it's crushing it uh, one of the most popular shows on tv i right know now. enough about the boys comics i haven't read them but i know enough to know that they are way far removed from the yes especially after this season from yeah. where it goes and i'm really really proud of them yeah that was fun you should check it out steve watch season three my boy i gotta get time i can't stop <laughs> thinking about joyce byers saying that she wants to watch that do you guys want to watch the boys you guys want to watch the boys uh steve what else have you been watching uh i won't spend a lot of time on this one but i watched uh a movie i was almost threatened by this director he was like millennials suck so i had to watch house of gucci nice (laughs) directed by ridley scott who famously blamed uh the lack of the last duel ticket sales on millennials weird pull yeah (laughs) uh but yeah house of gucci if you don't know stars lady gaga adam driver al pacino jared leto salma hayek's in it jeremy uh jeremy irons is in it um and i just said it's uh directed by really scott written by becky johnson and roberto becky johnson Pentevegna? I'm not going to pronounce that. Pentevegna! <laughs> um, based on the book by Sarah Gay Forden, and it's uh, obviously based on a real life, you know, the Gucci's back in the uh, 80s. Gucci, 90s, baby. The Gucci family. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has, uh, you know, it's one of those movies where, like, I was entertained the whole time. I, I thought the actors are great and they're doing fun stuff. I don't know if it's like Academy level acting because a lot of the acting kind of boils down to just Italian accents. What'd you think of Jared Leto? Wasn't this the movie where Lady Gaga was in a, kept an Italian accent for like ever and was all about yeah. that online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's doing an Italian accent in this movie and not all of them are, are great. Like they're acting in re- hers. They're, they're acting really well, like they're emoting and, you know, they're powerhouse actors, right? But they're all kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, what are you doing to me? Uh, what are you bringing to me uh, on, my, on my wedding day? This is a bad thing. Did you just do a Godfather? I, I, I said, oh, my sister's a wedding. Oh, my daughter's wedding. Sorry. Yeah. It's not my sister. You have my daughter's wedding. Uh, what does he say? You don't have the respect to call me the Godfather. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of stuff. Jared Leto is probably yeah, it's, the, it's his movie. <laughs> <laughs> what else does he say? <laughs> well, this is, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm about to I got a lemon in my mouth. I got a lemon in my mouth. <laughs> nice. Uh, he was holding back on this Brando the whole time. He's a young Brando. Uh, Jared Leto's probably the. <laughs> 
he's the most fun to watch because I don't I think his accent is probably the worst and also he's hidden behind layers of makeup like Google search Jared Leto House of Gucci the makeup department is equal parts amazing and awful because they make him just look like the worst looking like this comically bad looking but in a, but it looks convincing and it's just him with like uh, uh he, he's bald on top with like the long hair on the sides and like a he's weird mustache it's straight up Hulk Hogan. straight up <laughs> but like gray and he's got he's this gross looking now. and he's walking around in like pastel colored track suits like uh, where's my money no one wants to understand my ideas uh, why won't anyone make my suits i'm so sad <laughs> i want an oscar i want to watch i've been wanting to watch this i really i just haven't isn't it long yeah, it's like two hours and 20 minutes long. Yeah. Um, you can uh, watch it. You can stream it on Amazon Prime right now. Um, I had a good time with it. I, I think I rated it three stars out of five on uh, Letterboxd, which would probably be like four stars for you, Chris. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, I think we have the same rating system. You just hated Thor Love and Thunder, which, by the way, he gave a half star more to House of Gucci and then Thor. <laughs> I did. I'm the first to admit the stars in relation to each other mean nothing. Like mm-hmm. I like one four star movie so much more than another four star movie. And it's just it's all fucking arbitrary. Well, well, this movie, unlike Thor Love and Thunder, this movie didn't have me constantly going, well, if they did this, it would be so much. Well, why did they do that? That's not as good. This movie, I was just kind of like, oh, OK, I consume that. The, the story is kind of interesting, but I don't know if they went about telling it in the most interesting way. But whenever I see House of Gucci now, I think of that meme somebody made where they cut Lady Gaga having sex into the Nicole Kidman AMC ad. And now I just <laughs> like whatever amount of seriousness I could bring to this is now gone. And I'm just completely seeing this as a comedy, which I don't think is really Scott's intent. No, it's definitely not a comedy. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, it's not like the most drama drama ever. I mean, there's some levity to it, but I do love Adam Driver, though. Yeah, he's step on. I mean, me it's back. great. Cat. And I'm a me, huge fuck of a mountain. Man. <laughs> I'm so I love Ridley Scott. So I like I really wanted. Sorry, really wanted to watch this, um, but didn't. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He's just going to blame you. He does blame me. He blames you specifically. You got I'm an millennial. elder millennial, I think. Right. No, you're a younger. I'm a mid. Am I mid? You're a mid. As the kids would say. (laughs) I am actually quite mid. You're a mid millennial. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, But yeah, I want to plug a couple of things real quick uh, just because one of them is really short. I played a game that was recommended by a listener. Hopefully they're still listening. It's called Unravel 2. Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Really good. So my wife and I have this thing. Well, it's not really a thing because we've only done It Takes Two and that's it. But she really enjoys playing like co-op platformer games with me. And I we had a blast playing It Takes Two. So we started playing uh, Unravel Two, which was on sale. I think I bought it for like five bucks. Uh, I'm really it's not as good as It Takes Two. It's not as like in depth. But it's really cute. You play these two little yarn people and you're tied together. And so you have to uh, the mechanics of it are really interesting. So like you'll be up on a platform and then maybe you have to swing to another platform. So the way to swing is you're attached to the other person. So the other person stays up there and you let the other person swing off of you or vice versa. And little things like that. Or Oh, God, you swing them off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The yarn pulls you off. Um yeah, so that's Unravel 2. I, I don't know if Unravel 1 is any good. I didn't play that one. I don't think it's a narrative type game where, you, where that's important. I think you can jump straight to 2. There's a lot of plot Am I going to be lost one. if I just skip straight to Unravel 2? <laughs> Who's on? How does the yarn get made? What's the blue ones deal? Just like House of Gucci, the yarns talk in this absurd Italian accent. It's really weird. But hey. 
And Lady Gaga's in it. Ah, why would you give me more of the yarn? <laughs> I'm trying to swing. I want to swing, but no one is helping me swing. It's just her and I. That's us arguing, actually. <laughs> exactly. It's me. Sorry. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> but I also watched a show called The Bear. I believe it's on the Hulu. Oh, I heard about this. This show is phenomenal. It stars Jeremy Allen White from Shameless. Uh, and He's it's, the cool brother. He is. He plays Lip. And uh, this, and it's also got a cameo from John Bernthal, which somebody said was a spoiler, but it's in the it's in the marketing. It's like if you IMDb it, it says John Bernthal right there. So I disagree, but uh, <laughs> I love this show. This show was fucking great. It's a uh, it's kind of a uncut Jimsy stressful comedy shot in a small kitchen in Chicago where they make like uh, I want to say Philly cheesesteaks, but it's Chicago, so it's Chicago cheesesteak type shit. Uh, fucking really good show. And I spent a lot of my life in a kitchen. It's very hectic. It's very stressful. Everybody, there's a lot of, uh, competing personalities and shouting and cussing. And it's part of the fun because you're also a family type atmosphere. And that's what this show is. So it's like, uh, you know, handheld cameras following people around this kitchen. We're like, get the fuck out of my way. Hands. I got hands, hands hurt. Corner, corner, you know, just chaos. (laughs) And, uh, it's really, really good. And it's about, uh, so Jeremy Allen White's character is, uh, his name's Carmi. And I think their name, their family name is like Berzoli or something. So they call him the bear because that's a play on his last name. He's a world renowned chef. Like he is the chef of the best restaurant in the world. He went through all these like culinary schools and things like that. Uh, and his older brother uh, commits suicide and leaves the Chicago restaurant to him. So he comes back to Chicago to run his brother's, his family's shitty little restaurant, you know? Uh, but he's this world renowned chef. And so he tries to teach all of these, you know, jabronis how to work in a kitchen, you know, like, Hey, you got to shout. We call each other chef. It's a sign of respect. You got to shout corner when you're coming around the corner, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, but it's his journey of like self-actualization mixed with trying to fix up the chaos of this restaurant because he's like 300 grand in debt because of his brother. And one of the, his cousin is like selling Coke out in the back alley. And it's just a bunch of shameless a Coke cousin. Yeah. Coke cousin. Uh, but I loved it. Episode seven is shot in one take completely sweet. Uh, it, it took him three tries, I think. And it's just, it's phenomenal. Like once you see it and like, it's really complex. Uh, I just, I highly recommend it. I can't recommend it enough. A lot of people have seen the bear, but if you haven't yet, I'm looking at you two. Hmm. It's uh, eight episodes, but they're all under 30 minutes each. One of the episodes is 20 minutes. So, I mean, it's in under four hours. Where's the streaming? Uh, Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. On the Hulus. So this is less than one Snyder cut. Right. Less than one once upon a time in America. This is like one and a half house of Gucci's to watch the entire season. Uh, and I highly recommend it. I was weeping like a baby at the finale. So I, I really recommend it. The bear is awesome. I do want to watch that. Andy, have you been streaming anything else you want to so plug? The last one that I want to plug is also on a free streaming service called Tubi. Or not to be. To be. <laughs> uh, so, and what is apparently turning out to be my uh, life's quest to watch all Jake Gyllenhaal movies. Again, I just watched uh, Life. Do you guys remember that film? The uh, space movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. And you watched Source Code recently, too. I did. And Enemy. Yes. And, dude, I've been going hard. Did you watch The Guilty? I the watched new movie? Ambulance recently. Ambulance. 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 Uh, no, I haven't seen The Guilty, but I'm just saying, I'm on my way. I also want to say real quick, there, the other day at work, somebody said, how's it going, man? I said, oh, you know, I'm just Jake Hall," and I was pretty proud of that one. Uh, 
Jake Chillenhall. Yes. Okay. And I, but I said it all smooth like that. Where it's like, but did he say? Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> exactly like that. And so I played it off perfectly. A little pat on the back. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Life. It is a wonderful film that you can watch with ads on Tubi. It's about uh, some people that are on the International Space Station that are expecting a satellite to return with a sample of uh, what they hope is going to be alien life. That turns out to definitely be alien life. And it's about the shenanigans that ensue when the... Uh, Alien life turns out to be malevolent, if you will. Mm. And uh, it was uh, really twisty and wonderful. I don't know that it's like, you know, a five star film on Steve scale, but it's uh, a film that nothing rarely is. <laughs> it's I think uh, Steve would like it, though. I do like it. Oh, oh you've, you've seen, seen it? it? I've okay. seen it. Well, I've seen I it saw, as well. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. It, but it's a film that like uh, I, I feel like it more than a lot of films uh, respects the intelligence of the uh, audience and the, it, it doesn't handhold you. And, but it also treats uh, stories in a way that w- without like a reverence for the way an act structure is expected to work. And uh, somebody that you think is most definitely the main character definitely is not. And so it's twisty and I, the ending is so fucking powerful and like, morose in a way but also beautiful and uh i I do how like how they get to that ending is they do some very devious editing to get you to think it's going one way but it's not yes the editing (laughs) is extremely solid i remember watching that like oh that was some devious fucking edits right there (laughs) well played Uh, but yeah i mean like if, if you're just looking for if you're like me and like you know, the James Webb telescope images coming out was big news for you. And you were watching the live stream when they were revealing that shit. If you're that type of person, then you're going to love this kind of shit. So go watch it. Uh, One thing that I took away from that movie is it's like the exact opposite of Jaws, where in Jaws, the horror comes from never seeing the shark. Right. And so many horror movies kind of follow that, that rule, you know, effectively, I think, whereas this movie's like, nope, Monsters coming right at you. And just the way the, the way the alien looks and operates and the way it moves, it's honest to God, it terrifies me. Yes, like when that dude. thing would like come at characters, like get it away, get it away, the get it away, get it away. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's 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 a really good space horror movie. Absolutely. Steve, yeah. what else have you been streaming? Well, I streamed a thing that Chris has been trying to get all of us to stream for a while, and that is a uh Tengu- Which one? Uh, <laughs> is it uh, is it Tengulu? Is that how you pronounce it? A Tengulu film called RRR. Oh, wonderful! Uh, directed by SS Rajmuli, uh, who is a Pan Indian filmmaker. Uh, this literally almost unseated everything, everywhere, all at once for my number one of the year. Really? Almost that mo- that high on your I, list? I, I, wow. I was again maybe a headspace thing when I was watching this. I was weeping with joy. I don't weep with joy often, right? I weep a lot, but not with joy. Like there's less joy yeah. than <laughs> more, more mirth. Were you mirthful? No, I was in this instance, but it's just like the sheer love of cinema. This is, this yeah. is Nicole Kidman, capital Nicole Kidman cinema. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think of anything you've ever liked in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. This movie has it for sure. <laughs> Literally this movie has possibly the, I think the greatest action set piece of the year. Mm-hmm. It has the greatest dance sequence of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yes. The greatest <laughs> dance off of all time. Literally no movie in my lifetime has had this much of a dance. It's sequence. like step up one, two, three, and four combined. Right. <laughs> Mixed uh, with some magic mic. Plus it has like it, it's some incredible special good. effects. Like this movie was made for like what? 60, 70, and some rough set special effects. Well, I mean, it was made for like 60, $70 million dollars. 
Yeah. Compare that to Thor Love and Thunder, right. which is almost $200 million budget. And this movie shits all over the visual effects Poo-poo. Poo-poo's of on it. Thor Love and Thunder. Somebody said this director should have been tapped to direct uh, the next Fast and Furious movie since Justin Lin stepped oh, 100%. out. And I was like, absolutely. Because it's, yes. it's over the top in that way, but actually way I more. I want to see Vin Diesel dancing. Yeah, yeah for sure. He, he would never work with Vin Diesel, probably. This, but, this, oh, family. but this movie really does kind of like encapsulate the ridiculousness of the Fast and Furious films while also adhering to the spirit of family and connectivity and uh, the human experience. Like, yes, it's, it's so, yeah. so heartwarming, but also a guy throws a tiger at someone. Right. <laughs> so a guy literally lifts up a motorcycle and uses it as a sword and then throws it at someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I, I, uh, there's also kind of a raccoonie esque action <laughs> set piece with both yes. two people. Fuck, I loved it. Dude, it's so good. And I mean, I, I did some research on this movie because when I watched it, I just had to learn more because I'm not super in like that's a part of the world. I haven't I, I had nothing about no experience with Indian cinema. There's something like there's so many languages. It's that not are Bollywood. In it's Tollywood. It's a totally different thing. Just to throw that out there. Uh, yeah. And I think Tengulu is that I think that's the I don't remember language it's shot in uh, originally. But the only thing we can access on Netflix is the Hindi dub, which yeah. is unfortunate because I hate dubbed films. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's dubbed in Hindi, which threw me way off. I had to research why I was experiencing that. Yeah. Um, I would love to see the original version so, so much. Yeah. Did, so yeah. either way to us, it's subtitled. So it's like, yeah. shit, <laughs> it's dubbed subbed. <laughs> well, I did some research. Like I mentioned, it's directed by SS Rajmuli. Uh, it's written by, I'm going to fuck this up so bad. Are you going to go for it? Vijayendra Prasad, who is, who is his 80 year old father. Really? His 80 year old father is a screenwriter That's, for this. God, awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, it is. So uh, S.S. Rajmuli has made three of the top five highest grossing films in India of all time. Yeah, he's a legend. And the two actors. So just so you you probably did this research. You did way more than me. Mm-hmm. Those two main actors are legends in India. Yeah. Ram Charan and N.T. Ramareo Jr. Yeah. So there's this experience when if you're watching it over there where you're like, this is fucking Tom Cruise and and. Uh, Brad Pitt, right? And so you automatically have all this baggage when you see them. So we didn't get that. We were just like, oh, is he cool? And plus, <laughs> and plus you've cool. got like... Steven Spielberg is the director. Yes. That's why the so the, the title RRR was initially a placeholder because it represents Rajmuli, uh, and then the two actors, Ram and Rama. Oh, really? It was the three of them. It was a placeholder. And then they were just like, well, let's just keep it. And they made the movie actually rise, roar, revolt or something was well, rise, roar, revolt in America, but it everywhere, everywhere else or and in Hindi as well, but everywhere else it like translates to rage, war and blood. Is what it translates oh, okay. to. That's way cooler. It is. I don't know why we got the revolts and all that stuff. Yeah. Because that's what we deserve. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like just these titans of that industry coming together. So like if you are from that part of the world and you see these three people working together, you're like, fucking, you're right. they can do this? What? And uh, the, and just for uh, West for us Western audience members, we will also kind of point out... Um, well, what's your name? I wrote it down. Uh, Allison Duty is in this movie. Uh, you might recognize her. She plays Elsa in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, nice. Okay. She's the evil uh, yep. wife who's like, whip him harder. Yeah, get There's it. There's not enough blood on the ground. Yeah. And then uh, Rave Stevenson is the, the like the, the the governor or whatever, the evil governor. He's one of Thor's. He was great. He's one of Thor's three buddies in the first two Thor movies. He's one of the Warriors three. He's the one who looks like Gimli in those films. <laughs> um 
And like you know, they're such cartoonishly character. They're cartoonishly evil, right? Yeah. They're like ah, uh, don't shoot that Indian person. Don't. Do you realize I how much that. that bullet costs? It 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 was made with British steel and it sailed on a British boat to get in your British gun. It's not worth that person's life. Isn't worth the price of this bullet. Kill him with your with a stick. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love that little stick of his. But like, I I I just felt compelled to do uh, like research and like, are these because. It says like based on a true story. And when you see that and then you watch this movie, you're like, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's based on the colonialization Some of, of India was based well, on a the, true story. So the two characters, the two main characters are based off real guys. Uh, Aluri Sitarama Raju and Komaram Bhim. Uh, those are real like big revolutionary figures in India's history that led revolts against the British Empire. But they never worked together never they never met, met each yeah. other i think um what is his name? Uh, raju died at the age 25 in like the 20s and then beam died i think in around 1945 like so his revolution was in like the 40s and uh raju's revolution was, was like this 20s. big celebration of these historical events in a fantastical setting yeah raj Muli even said like if some if he were to describe the film he would call it a, an imaginary friendship between two superheroes yeah and really this movie is like if you took Fast and the Furious and Inglorious Bastards in terms of how it treats history. Sure. And melded them together where yeah. like it's not a factual retelling of these guys' story, but it, it really speaks to the uh, human experience. But with it. so much more heart and earnestness than yeah. those two things imply, it's fucking yes. incredible. It really is. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, it's uh, uh, Paul Shear's podcast with Amy Nicholson and Unspool do a really good deep dive on this if you want to learn more about about this movie, but it's so much fun. I mean, the, the scene where he goes and he jumps the fence and just it's him with a stick versus a thousand protesters. And he just, Andy, he beats so much ass. All right. Dude, so much ass. It's literally, I'm so excited for the ass beating. There's like, like a human cave is built and he's like poking a stick through holes to like hit people in the eyes. It's and like, um, and this is in the very first 10 minutes of the movie. And this, I was like, I'm fucking in, right. but it's like uh, a red hot chili peppers concert, the mosh pit. Right. But like with 40,000 people, like bodies pressed against bodies pressed against this fence. And then there's this uh, Indian soldier guarding a uh, British outpost. And there's only like 12 British oh, you soldiers told in us there about this. When you watch it, I yeah. remember the one dude beats everybody's ass. So a guy yeah. throws a rock and breaks a window or something. And the, arrogant British officers like get that man arrest and arrest him. him and everybody's like arrest him what the fuck are you talking about but our superhero protagonist is like word and jumps <laughs> over the fence and beats all 10,000 of them to shit and grabs him and brings yeah. him back and it's amazing I want to watch this it's really long though right it is it's, yeah it's I mean it's an Indian it's worth film, so every it's like bit of the three, three hours. hours and 30 minutes probably. You could watch all of the bear instead of this, but I recommend RRR. I, <laughs> full disclosure, I did take a break. Like I, I watched it in two sittings just because I just didn't have time. To I did too. I watched that, half of it on my laptop and then the rest, once I realized it was so yeah. magnificent, I went downstairs to my surround sound and my TV. And there is an intermission point, right? There is. Yeah. So you, if you get to the intermission point, you can and just say, like, okay, I I'll resume. I'll resume later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause it is. Just I really wish I had seen amazing. this in theaters. 
one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. It, it's like incredible, like the action set. Like there's a there's a set piece where like we, we set penis set penis. <laughs> <laughs> there's a set piece where they throw like you said tigers at people and ah oh, and he fights a tiger at one point and mm-hmm, it like mm-hmm. it's scra- a lot of tigers. It scratches his back and it growls at him and he just screams back at its face yeah, as it's he's like roar. pushing it away. It's oh, the second R. I love the scene where they first. Um, kind of meet up and become best friends yes one guy's on a on a bridge and the other guy is on the shore of the lake that the bridge is over and there's a little kid in danger right and the both of them are trying to figure out how are they going to save this kid well somehow they see each other like bridge guy sees the other dude on the shore and he's like you and he like he just points at the kid nods and the, the guy's like yeah and somehow through that nod and glance they communicate, all right, I'm going to get on the on, on a motorcycle and meet you up there and you're going to get on a horse and then we're going to do like this weird rope flippy thing where we're going to like grab a, uh, a flag and that'll protect me from the and water he, as I go through fire. And he gets the flag in the water and dude, it's <laughs> like they don't talk kiss. about their plan. They just fucking do it because they they're bros. They're that, their bromance is that strong. It's, yeah, it's like instantaneous. It's like stepbrothers. But, so anyway, I, like yeah. I said, it, this almost... And it may still on a rewatch become my favorite movie of the year. It's that good. I loved it. It's just a, such a celebration of, of cinema. Right. So it's exactly. awesome. Steve, I'm glad you finally watched it, buddy. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of things that, well, I think Steve will appreciate this. The last thing that I need to talk about, I've got a few, but I'll just end with this. I watched all three of the uh, prequels for star Wars episodes one, two, what? and three. Uh, because my son is now obsessed with Star Wars. I it, like a Star Wars. It finally happened. Yeah. And Andy and I grew up together watching these movies. And so he'd seen the original trilogy because I'm a good dad. And uh, <laughs> he's like, what do I watch now? And I was like, well, let's go watch Force Awakens. I think you'll enjoy that. And I was like, hold up. Let's just do this. Because he was like trying to ask questions about, you know, where Vader came from and all this stuff. And I was like, I got an idea. Let's watch the prequels. We'll do it in chronological order, which I think somebody on the internet said that it was sacrilegious that I was showing my son in chronological order, but like was, the way they came out, but it has to be okay. Cause it's literally how the fuck they came out. Right. But, um, so then we watched, I think that's the appropriate way actually, to watch it. I accidentally mach- macheted him. Cause I, and I Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like he, cause he hasn't seen uh, return of the Jedi yet. Uh, CPS. I'm yeah. Report so macheting. He watched. What? You skipped the best one. I, right, well, I accidentally did it. Cause I found out after we finished uh, revenge of the Sith, I was like, do you remember the Ewoks? And he was like, what's an Ewok? And I was like, hold up. I thought you watched episode six. And he was like, I think I did. And I was like, you definitely didn't if you don't know what an Ewok is. So he watched a new hope and empire and then went and did the prequels, which is the machete thing. So I think that was neat. Cause he like, he found out spoiler alert that Vader was his father. And then went back and did the Vader backstory thing. But all I came to say is that I really enjoyed these movies for what they were, especially watching them through the eyes of my nine-year-old son, which is how I watched them for the first time. I was about that age, 10, 11 or so. Um, it was a really good time. Now, there was some absurd things. Uh, Phantom Menace has like the highest highs as far as there's Qui-Gon Jinn, which is amazing. Liam Neeson's great, uh, but also the mostly Darth Maul and the, the saber battles are just crazy good in these movies pod racing is also cool in episode one pod racing is fun it's just an, unfortunately it's pretty wizard yeah it's very wizard but it is really fun i don't want to knock the child actor but it's, he's not the best right but this is a good trick <laughs> but <laughs> i'll try spinning the saber battles are unparalleled in anything they've done since anything they've done since like it's not that hard it's all the people want just do cool lightsabery things 
<laughs> Lucas knew that. What's going on nowadays? Yeah. Like it's so good. Do they good. not have uh, what's his name, Nick? Gillard, I think, is the the, the, the stunt coordinator stunt coordinator for the prequels. I don't know if they have him anymore. He's a fucking mad genius because all of the spinning and stuff that people love to do nowadays is part of their cosplay. And like, there's people that are famous on TikTok just because of they they can spin their lightsaber really well. All of that is done in these movies. That's where that started, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was watching the fight in Revenge of the Sith between Anakin and Obi-Wan. That's my favorite one. It's so good. And it's so long. Yeah. I didn't remember this. They fight through like six settings, um, like all the way out into like the lava of Mustafar when they finally get out there. But Obi-Wan is doing these like back for no reason. He's spinning it behind his back and switching hands when that's not the quickest way to block at all. It just looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So many good things. But what I came to say, my hot take Attack of the Clones isn't that fucking bad. I don't know why everybody shits on it. Like, there's some really cool stuff in that movie. Like, it's just, it's, uh, it's, there's, it's got the helms deep. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Like the, oh, the, the Geonosian battle arena. Yeah. The Coliseum fight. Like, it's, it's fine. It's no more corny than anything else that happens in the other movies. Right. Am I wrong? I'm asking because I'm I mean, like, you're, you're asking the person who says Attack of the Clones is his least favorite Star Wars film. So but I mean, like <laughs> I might be biased. It's, it's most people's least. Yeah, favorite, that's a very common like, idea. Uh, and I just don't get it. I mean, I think it's, it's because my least favorite, too. But I, that doesn't mean that it's like that much worse than any of the others. It's just the most inconsequential. Probably. I, here's what my 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 thought is. I don't know if this is true, that they're all just as bad. They're all pretty bad. Sure. But. Episode one has uh, Darth Maul and Duel of the Fates. Episode three, they bring Duel of the Fates back, which I didn't remember, which is fire. And they have that awesome fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan and some really powerful acting from Ewan McGregor. And so there's a couple of highlights to lift those two up in people's estimation, whereas there isn't really that for Attack of the Clones. But there isn't anything especially egregious in clones, I don't think. That's what I would say. What do you think about that? Well, uh, one at least has the establishing of a story going for it. And three, the payoff of that story. And as much as like, hey, one, this is the beginning of all of the stuff that you're going to see in the original trilogy. Here's the origins of Obi-Wan and his master and stuff like that. And then three, we get the payoff of Anakin ultimately becoming Darth Vader and all that shit. And then in two, we get like, here's Boba Fett's father and shit like that. And it's like, does that really matter? And so it's just ultimately an extremely inconsequential film in as far as the overarching uh, Star Wars lore is concerned. And since none of them are that good of movies anyway, for it to not be that good and also not matter puts it pretty far down in the bottom of the barrel. Sure. But Andy, begun the Clone Wars have. (laughs) Yoda, Frank Oz does some. Yoda sentence structure with some more complex sentences than usual in these earlier prequels. And it's really funny, especially when he's angry and he's talking to Sidious. I forget what he says, but it's a really long sentence. And Jerule is. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Quick enough it was. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay. Um, But the Attack of the Clones has the Yoda fight. Which was bad. With Dooku. By the way, Dooku... So Christopher Lee is an actual swordsman, like he's classically trained fencer. And so he had them craft his lightsaber in that shape on purpose because that's the shape of his sabers. I know that Steve knows all this, but I'm just saying it for the show. And he does that like on guard thing. Like all of that was him. He's like, I know how to short fight. Can I just fucking short fight? 
George, tell me what I need to do. <laughs> but I, I just have some interesting questions. I don't think we have time for it, but I I haven't seen them at this age in my life. Like I have a 30 year old brain now and I'm looking at this like this is actually pretty neat because this is how fascism does rise. Uh, but I never really processed before that, you know, they helped Palpatine to power. They they asked for the vote of no confidence and they like uh, and Jar Jar's dumbass is the one that votes that they have emergency power given to the chancellor. Mm -hmm. And they create the clone army so that the Republic can have the power to take back control from the separatists. Mm -hmm. uh, all of it was handed to him right by mm -hmm. the, the good people. And like that's. That's how that's what happened with fascism as we know it in the you know first half of the 20th century. And I think that's how it would go down. And like, well, so that's pretty George, cool. George Lucas is pretty open about how he, a lot of his inspiration for writing the prequels not only is what happened in the 40s with Germany, but also with what was happening in America in around 2000 with the Iraq war. And sure. How, uh, the, the Senate was relieving a, or the con Congress was giving a lot of its powers of declaring war and everything to the executive branch, which was the Bush administration at the time. So it's like a, it's like a naked like, like when you think about it it's like a very political uh series of movies which i always laugh at people are like why is star wars woke and political now yeah it's, it's like, always dude, been bro. dude like <laughs> oh god but i've i'm begging to pay attention to your fandoms i'm really curious about the power dynamics and i know they really weren't thinking about it but it's like uh, there's some really cool things. They allude to Yoda being the best swordsman in the world, right? Which I guess he is. Mace Windu is technically say, the they best. They say Mace Windu for sure. Mace Windu is better. Yes. Well, because when the, they're in the skills of Mace, Windu and the power of the Force of Yoda, right? Yeah, Yoda's the most powerful in the Force, but Mace Windu is the premier duelist. That's why he's able to defeat Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. Does Sun. defeat him, and that I'll get there in a second because I, I got questions. But in the speeder, when they're chasing the uh, changeling bounty hunter. Uh, arrogant Anakin makes a quip like my sword, my because he's this is how he acts. My sword skills rival Master Yoda, and uh, and then Obi Wan's basically like you you think so, little bitch. I don't think you do. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he brings that up. Um, but it's like Obi Wan has defeated Darth Maul. He later def he defeats Darth Vader twice in canon. Now that we have the Kenobi show. And so it would seem to suggest that he's one of the best to ever do it. Right. But he cannot beat Dooku. Can't try twice. So Dooku, Dooku fucks him up. Dooku is also supposed to be, I think I also do and Dooku are supposed to be like he, Dooku's uh, the best duelist out of all the Sith Lords. You see Dooku was, uh, was the, Yoda's Padawan, right? Yes. And, and he was Qui-Gon's master. I didn't know, didn't that. know that. I didn't even remember that he was a Jedi at one point, but then he left to go be a politician and everybody was cool. So you can leave the Jedi. Well, I don't want to be a Jedi anymore. He he technically was. Yes, you can. But he was also from a royal family. And I think his whatever passed away. So he, he was in charge of a planet called Sereno, I think. So he that's why he's a count, because he is literally the count of an entire planet. OK. Yeah. So he basically is the same character as he is in Lord of the Rings, because He's like a powerful old family dude who just thinks he's on the winning side and he makes a calculated move to what's mm -hmm. inevitable. Same thing that Saruman does. Right. Uh, and then tries to get Gandalf, a.k.a. Obi-Wan, to join him. Uh, you love. I don't know. I just felt the like Youngling's Leaf. Revenge of the, <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the Sith was is awesome in parts, but it, I don't think he sold Anakin's turn. 
like no. he's supposed to at all. Like he builds up this fear of Padme dying and the vision that he gets is ultimately because of the choices he makes, ironically. And that's sad, not in avoidance of them. Uh, but that moment where, where, where Windu beats Sidious and uh, Kenobi decides to cut Mace Windu's arm off. You mean Anakin? Uh, yeah, Anakin decides to cut Mace Windu's arm off. That is so, I know I'm going way long on this, but I was fucking, like I guess I've never seen this as a 30 year old. I'm like, that's a leap. That is too far. Like I am not believing that this dude at all. And like Palpatine is so fucking creepy. And like Anakin would have to be an idiot for that to work. You know what I mean? Like he hangs out with them every now and then. And he's like, you got a pretty sweet ass. You ever thought he's like, Oh, thank you, master. Yeah, you're pretty badass. This guy's my friend. I think he likes me way more than Kenobi. Like, no, you've been with the Jedi for like 12 years, meditating every day, like to be so quickly duped by the smallest of prods. It annoys the shit out of me. Cause he, that dude's clearly. And at one point, <laughs> After the fucking uh, fight with Mace and the electricity that Mace is able to, because Mace is stronger than him, which I love, he like fucks up his face and becomes the Sidious that we know, right? That dude's definitely not a good guy. Look at his fucking face. And then he's and like, then he gets up and he's like, go kill kids. <laughs> and he's like, okay, master. And then he's like, which I get that he's like, if he's choosing to be evil because he thinks that'll give him the power to keep people he wants, uh, loves from dying, uh, which, but, oh God, there's a flag there too. Uh, then that's believable. But he thinks he's good because he's arguing with Kenobi later, right? And he's like, I knew the Jedi would try to take over from my point of view the Jedi yeah like no that dude's fucked up face is on your team you're definitely not the good guy like you realize that right like yeah that is team sand <laughs> you join team sand you just killed a bunch of kids that can't be the good side there's a moment when Anakin has to realize in Revenge of the Sith where he's like okay go kill the Jedi you think they're evil oh but also um so I've been in, char in charge of the Confederacy this whole time. Can you go kill <laughs> those guys for me? I started the war, uh, but same side. Yeah, it's like so <laughs> obvious. And then the whole motivation is he's like, if you want to have the power to save your wife, join me. And he's like, okay, I do want that power. That power sounds dope. I don't actually know how to do that, but together I think we can figure it out. That's his fucking line. <laughs> And Anakin's not mad at all. He's just like, yeah, for sure, master. We could figure it out. We're both smart dudes. Your face is a little fucked up. But hey, with your brain and my face, we can go a long way. I, I do. I'm think sorry, I'm calming down now. But I'm And just, then it becomes my new empire at <laughs> some point. Well, that's the thing is I think Anakin's thinking like, hey, I can save Padme, but also like I'll kill the emperor and then Padme and I can rule it. I think that's what he's thinking. I think so. That's the whole point of the Sith, right? One to have the power, one to crave it. Mm -hmm. um, as Darth Bane set up or whatever. I'm learning all this. That's how Sith, all Sith masters have to kind of assume their end will be is that their apprentice kills them. I also hate the idea. I told you this off air that this old dorky politician is has been studying under Darth Plagueis somehow. And I know that there's a story that tells how that happens, but I'm just confused. It's a pretty good story, actually. <laughs> I'm confused how that happened. You know, he's like running for office and in, in, in his off time, he's like killing pod kittens and stuff or whatever he's got to be doing. I don't know. Yeah, apparently pod racing. <laughs> I, that was you can edit all of that out. I just had to get that out. I'm just like, I've never seen this as an adult and I have questions. I love it, man. Any any chance to talk about Star Wars? But I really I was really sad. I know it's a tragedy. It's ultimately a Shakespearean level tragedy, but. 
I would have much rather seen a bunch more movies with Buddy Cop, Obi-Wan and Anakin. And I would have much rather seen a bunch more movies with all the Jedi doing Jedi stuff. Mace Windu being really cool. Um, Chris, have you ever seen the show Clone Wars? I haven't. Is that what that is? Basically, it's all of the Clone Wars. I just can't get over the animation I don't like. Yeah, so watch a couple i can send you like all the episodes because some are real shit i can send you the list of these are the episodes you should watch that you will probably like um and you'll get used to the anime animation really quickly and then towards the end of the series the animation is actually really fucking good you know what i'll watch them send them to me i might even watch the whole show now that my son's really into it because the the last four episodes of clone wars the like season finale four parter is some of the best star wars ever you said that um, and there are some amazing, and, and it really kind of it adds a lot more depth and breadth to Anakin's turn, their friendship, uh, how Obi Wan knows that he and uh, uh, Padme are a thing, and he just like doesn't just doesn't say anything because he's a bro. Um, it introduces Ahsoka, and it shows her character arc, which is actually really really good throughout the course of the series, and that's why she's a fan favorite now. Um, and you can see a lot Turns of turns out being stuff. a bro not a good move. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. <laughs> well, I wish you would have pulled him aside and been like, Anakin, mm-hmm. I think you're putting the pussy on the pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put the pussy on the high ground. <laughs> but the show also gives them really, really good context to the clones and the clone troopers and their role as characters. And it that adds a whole nother layer of tragedy to the whole story that is wonderful. I also, it was really upsetting to me <laughs> that Palpatine frequently associates with all of the top ranking Jedi masters and no one knows that he's a Sith. Yeah. Clouded the dark side is. No, you're really bad at this, bro. He was sitting right the fuck there and you didn't sense any disturbance. Like when Order 66 happens, he has a fucking straight gas attack. Like Yoda falls over and starts farting all over the place because he can just so disturbed by the force disturbance. But you can sit right in front of the Sith Lord. I can't remember what it is, but there is a canon explanation. It's not said in the movies at all, but there's all a, he says is there's clouded a explora- explanation for like how the dark side works is something where as a light side user, you're not. It's like a UAV blocker. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where they just they they know it's somewhere close to them, but they can never pinpoint what it is. And in the only novels, other guy in the room, maybe no, there's, no. there's an amazing. So the, so the novelization of revenge of the Sith is amazing, but there's also a prequel to that novelization that talks about how they're like on the heels of discovering who uh, Sidious is. And it's actually really fucking compelling. Like they, they're like so close to figuring out who it is. And they like know it's someone in the Senate. And most of them are like, we're pretty sure it's Palpatine, but we can't say that we can't just like come out and be like Palpatine's a Sith like they have to get well they do start to suspect him and then unfortunately they ask Anakin to spy on him right yeah uh, which doesn't work out because the Jedi Order is a mistake and that's a, that's the point of the prequels of the show that the, the, the Jedi Order was so lofty and aloof and they didn't they weren't they didn't know what the common people wanted they were too beholden to the politics of the time that's why a Jedi Order like that fails because you're kind of telling people to disassociate from what makes you uh human which is your attachment ultimately he kind of did bring balance to the force and that was the point was like he brought balance to the force because he killed all the jedi killed all the jedi and going forward luke would you know not make the same mistakes but then the sequel trilogy happened it's like oh okay maybe he does maybe not (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that is unfortunate i get it now but that is kind of it's kind of neat and there is a line when they're in the uh spaceship and it's mace windu and yoda and 
Obi-Wan, I think, but it's like Yoda's like misread the prophecy. Maybe we did. And makes window like Samuel Jackson makes this face like, "Mm -hmm." and it's just like, that's, that's, that's the whole thesis is that they did. And in fact, the chosen one is about to fuck shit up. Um, anyway, technically he is the chosen one, but you're not going to like how he gets there. His choice. Not so great. (laughs) Not so great. No, I left Palpatine's little face at the end too. Uh, Pretty sure you killed her. <laughs> I like how your Palpatine is just a nerdier Yoda. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, the nerds It's basically what he is. I love that actor. I forget his name. Ian, Ian McDermott. McDermott. Yeah. It sounds like a nerd. A McDermott. <laughs> McDermott derp. <laughs> I'm just, I had some logical leaves, but ultimately, what I started to say, how I started was that it was a great time with my little kid. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. But anyway, I think that's, I fucked up and that's all the time that we have. Anything you guys want to say? No, I love you guys. <laughs> That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this was Streaming Things. Happy streaming. You want, to, you want to thank the patrons, Andy? I would love to. Andy's going to thank the patrons. The some patrons to thank. First off, we're going to thank A. Wells. We're going to thank Double A, Aaron A. Double R, Aaron A. Aaron B, Aaron K, Aaron L. Adam C, Adam R. Amanda, Amelia, Andrew, Andy, keep the name proud. Angela, Annie, Annie H. Arcade Shenanigans. Shenanigans? <laughs> Shenanigans. Ariana, Ashley, Brenda, Brittany S. Cake. Thank you, Cake. Carlo, Carmelita. Casey, Katarina, Chloe, Cody, Cryptoholic, Danielle, David, E. Lopez, Emily, Enza, Erica, Irvin, Gavin, Glenn, Hannah, Heath, Jacqueline, Jacob, Jade, Jake, Jared, Jeanette, AJ, Jenny, Jessica, Jimmy, Joel A., Joel D., John M., John R., Jordan, Josh, Jungle, Jungle. Alicia, Candace. Katarina, Kate, Katie, Kayla, Kelsey, Carrie, Kevin, Kiki, Kimberly, Kirsten, Kyle, Lady Pris, ooh, a lady, Lee, Lisa, Marcus, Michelle, (laughs) Mike, Mindy, MJ, Monique, Nick, Orion, Paula, Phil, Reese, the Reed family, the whole Reed family, the whole family, Robin, Samantha S, Sandra, Sandra A., Sarah, Sergio, Shay, Stephanie, Stephen V, Tamara, Tamara. Have we decided how that goes? She's brand new. I don't know. Tamara, Tamara, Tara. Tara. If we pronounce that incorrectly, <laughs> Toby, Thomas J, Thomas V, Tyler, Will, 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 and Zach. Zach attack. Thank you. Zach attack. Thank you all so much. We love you. Bye.